Welcome to the Thundercast, your martial athletics podcast produced by the fans, for the fans, with your hosts, Russ Livingood and KD Hudnall. We're bringing you the thundering word on the thundering herd each and every week. So keep it right here. The Thundercast is on the loose. Thanks for downloading another episode of the Thundercast. You can follow us on Twitter at Thundercast underscore pod. Links to all of our social medias are in the descriptions to the episodes. We make it really easy to find the show. Any major pl- podcasting platform has the Thundercast. So do us a favor, share the links with your friends so we can continue to grow the listener base. Russ, we've got a huge, and I emphasize huge, game to preview this week it's our midweek thursday night we got james madison undefeated james madison coming to town and we're going to get into all of it and on the back side of this episode we've got something a little bit special that we're not going to necessarily give away right now we did when uh, if you listen to the recap you'll know what's coming up but um we got something really informative coming up here at the end of this episode so let's get into it let's get a quick word from our sponsors at 304carwreck.com If you've been hurt in a wreck, visit 304carwreck.com on the web or on Facebook. You can't stop a bad driver from crashing into you and making you a victim, but when you're hurt and you try to deal with the insurance companies alone, you set yourself up to be a victim again. Don't be a victim twice. Jason and Matt can't protect you from bad drivers, but they can protect you from the insurance companies. Find them at 304carwreck.com. It's time for Rubber to Meet Road, Russ Living Good. Marshall's on a two-game skid, and it is not a great time to welcome in the, well, probably the class of the Sun Belt right now, specifically in the Sun Belt East Division, if not the entire conference. And that's undefeated 6-0 and on the season, undefeated 3-0 and on the season. James Madison is coming to Huntington, West Virginia, and I just saw that they ranked just outside of the top 25 this year or this week at number 26. Of course, the game's going down Thursday, October 19th, 7 p.m. on ESPN, Russ. ESPN for everybody that anybody that hasn't caught that by now. Massive opportunity for the herd this week at home. Uh, The herd did beat James Madison last year in Harrisonburg. That game occurred on October 22nd, so almost a year uh, to the day that we went into Harrisonburg and Cam Fancher's first ever career start and got a win. Uh, James Madison lost to Louisville the following week, and then they haven't lost since. They're on a nine-game winning streak, and boy, are they riding pretty high. They're fresh off of a Mm -hmm. handling of Georgia Southern, a really good Georgia Southern team. So this has got a lot of challenges for the herd. The herd just uh, laid a pretty good sized egg down in Atlanta this past weekend. So uh, there's a lot to be concerned about, but I think there's some areas where we can uh, mismatch and gain an advantage against James Madison. Russ, when we get into this one, let's talk about uh, before we even get into the game. Right, because I know this is something you really enjoy talking about. So even before I get your thoughts on the game, let's talk about the tailgate. Let's talk about um, what's going down, uh, who may or may not be there, right? And in, in addition to all the other awesome folks that are always there. So go ahead and let's talk about the tailgate. Let's talk about the put some of the potential guests and, of course, Thundercast Live. 
is is the cat out of the bag that I enjoy tailgating? Oh, at this point, I hope. I mean, I don't think that's a cat you can even stuff in a bag. I think everybody knows. Yeah, it's a it's a thunder cat if it's anything. <laughs> um, so, one, we're going to tailgate. You know, it's it's a Thursday night game. People are saying, "Well, I don't get off work till five. Doesn't matter. We're tailgating." All mm-hmm. right. Whenever you get over there, we're going to be tailgating. We're going to get there early. We're going to be set up and all that. It's going to be uh, Low Country Boil, and it's going to be courtesy of McCormick Insurance Group right here in Cerrito. They uh, any anyone that's familiar with Thundercast Live powered by Ignite Link will recognize that they uh, were a sponsor last year uh, for one of the tailgates, and they sponsor us on Thundercast as mm-hmm. well. The articles that we have out there. Matt McCormick, uh, owner of McCormick Insurance Group, uh, the agent for insurance McCormick, uh, McCormick Insurance Group, uh, huge herd fan. A lot of people are going to know him in this area. He's well known. Uh, I just have to say real quick, I have my insurance with them. He saved me not only a lot of money, but increased my coverage at a cheaper cost. It costs nothing at all to get your uh, rates checked. You don't mm-hmm. have to wait until, right? Yeah. you know. I think that's uh, a common expires. misconception. You're like, yeah. well, I'm in the middle of a policy. Well, that doesn't matter. No. You can cancel that anytime. There's no nope. penalty. If you've paid up front for a year, they reimburse you. They send yeah. you a check in the mail. And yeah. usually it's within two to three business days. I mean, mm-hmm. it's very quick. So uh, give him a call. Uh, stop by. He's right across from Tudors and Rocco's down in uh, Cerrito. But give him a call. Uh We'll have all the links to to that in this episode and everything, but I I just cannot tell you enough to support the people that support us. You're getting free food and drinks, courtesy of McCormick Insurance Group. Yeah. All right, so uh, Big Game Boomer, yep. is going to be there. Twitter legend, Big Game Boomer, <laughs> I would say. Uh, you know, like him, love him, hate him indifferent whatever you've probably come across big game boomer if you're a, a college football fan yeah you're you're going to see these different lists that come out each week you're going to see these different things reactions nationwide we're going to have him there and hopefully have him on the show if he's agreeable to get on thundercast live powered by ignite link uh we will do so but he will definitely be there uh he's already confirmed that he is going to be there and we're also going to have a guy that was here last year. It was also a midweek game last year, and it also happened to be a low country boil. Uh, <laughs> but uh, Mike, who uh, has CFB, uh, is it college football tour or campus tour? Yeah, I, I, I think it's – it's. Well, I don't because know what the, the actual handle is, but the title might be different on two different there, outlets. Yeah, There are two different ones that are doing similar things. Mike right. is by himself. The other is a group. And Mike actually has more colleges visited than the group. But uh, he uh, is in the middle of a 12 games in 12 days uh, jaunt around the country. And uh, it, it it kicked off with the uh, App State and Coastal game. And uh, our game will be part of that. And he's going to be over there. He's been to Marshall. Last time he was there, it was his third trip. This will be his fourth trip to Marshall. He's well familiar with us, but he's going to be stopping by the tailgate as well. Great guy. Uh, lots of stories. And what a story, 12 games in 12 days. I think we would all like to do something like that at some point. Yeah. Uh, and uh, the guys from JMU Sound Off, 
We're going to have three, maybe four. I know Michael Evangelista will not be there. Congratulations, Michael, on getting engaged on uh, Saturday. Uh, so he will not be making the trip, but uh, we will have uh, Jonathan McNamara, uh, Taylor Adkins, and Steve Brown here. And they had mentioned that possibly bringing somebody else up with them as well. Uh, those guys do a great job with their podcast. We're going to have them on our show uh, right before the, the tailgate. And then they have asked me to be on their show that they're going to do from our tailgate spot. So they're going to do one as well. So they're going to do ours first and then we're going to flip flop. So going to be a great time. A lot of people over there. Uh, I know a lot of my friends have already said they're going to be there early for tailgating. Uh, and again, low country boil, we're going to be throwing down, be there. Yep, the sea lot is going to be a place to be for this one. And it usually is for herd games. The Thundercast yes. tailgates are quickly becoming a destination stop. And that's what we wanted all, all along. We didn't want to be your only stop. We just wanted to incorporate a part of your game day uh, into what we do, you know. And and I think a lot of folks are, are really grasping onto that and appreciate it because it is a soft place to land. I use that term a lot, and it is. It, it's a very welcoming environment, you know, uh, opposing fans, outliers like 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 um, um, the college football campus tour, like not necessarily a Marshall fan, not necessarily a James Madison fan, someone coming in for the game, right? You really don't have a dog in the fight. You want a cool place to go and maybe mix it up with a both fan bases, that's kind of what we do. You never know who else you'll run into. It's uh, it's it's really cool that we uh, are seeing lots of former players stop by, former yeah. uh, not just football players, but players of all of our sports, just stopping yeah. by to hang out. And it, it's a cool place to be. And, and, you know, we're really fortunate to be able to bring that to herd fans. And herd fans are welcome. You know, your your kids are welcome. It's, it's just a great place to, to come, and, and it's a really chill spot. So the sea lot right on the corner the back corner that pushes up against the alley right behind the huge video board and right across 21st street from McDonald's is where you'll find us. We have the five spots on the corner. You honestly cannot miss us. You can't yeah, Russ, we'll, Russ by we'll and large will be, will be, we'll be, we'll be the only a, guys with uh, microphones. Russ will be wearing a branded shirt, most likely. So if you're just on the lookout for a logo, eh, he's probably got one on. And even if he doesn't, I'm sure you'll see, you know, Ignite Link's truck out there with the with the cameras set up. You can't miss it. So stop on by if if you're uh, thinking, hey, I won't make it to the game until late. Well, then don't pack anything. Just show up and come and get your belly full and get a cold drink and talk ball and then walk into the game. We make it yeah. that easy for you. So Thundercast Live is going to be um, – happening i really hope that we can uh you know i can get brought into the mix for this one this time uh, i've been lucky so far that we you know ha i haven't had to uh do that i've been in person you know and now we uh have to have to juggle the um i don't know i don't know what you got the satellite feed <laughs> to get me on to thundercast live but i'd like to be able to take part in that it's going to be a lot of fun i know you said uh, you know we're going to try to put this out here now. Now, this could change, but around that 4 o'clock uh, time slot is is where we're looking to get going. So if you're listening to this and you can't make it to the game and you somehow, you know, you're not being glued to social media because generally we just are like, all right, we're going live in 10 minutes. Well, that's not much of a heads up. So when you listen yeah. to this, just keep it in your head. All right, right around 4 o'clock. Could be a little bit earlier. Might be a tad later. You know, we have to line some things out, but that's the target um, start time for Thundercast Live. Russ, let me have your thoughts, your initial thoughts on this game and what it means 
from a standpoint of the city, the university, and football. Yeah, so starting off, being on ESPN proper is huge. And Thursday night, 7 p.m., primetime spot, ESPN, the big channel. That is something we haven't had in a, in a while. You know, uh, I can remember, or seemingly I can remember that happening, you know, with the Byron years and, and stuff like that, that we would have that midweek primetime game or whatever, and it wasn't on ESPN2 or something like that. But this is going to be a huge matchup. It's going to be uh, a statement game that, you know, we're, we're not playing – uh, no offense to anybody, but we're not playing an FCS team, you know, mm-hmm. that just happens to be. We're playing someone that should be ranked right now. They're undefeated. Uh, they have w- probably the best defensive front in the nation right now, and that is saying a lot. And when we get into these stats, you'll see why. But um, this is an absolute huge game, and we need everybody to be there even though it is a Thursday night game and you have work the next day or you've got whatever the next day, still come out to the game because you don't want to miss it. It's it's going to be too easy to say, eh, you know, I'll go to the next one. Man, You, if you're going to talk about having championship-level fan support, then these are the games that you have to prove yeah. that because anybody can go to a Saturday game. Mm-hmm. championship level fan support shows up in the midweek game. And I mentioned this in our recap, which we'll post, you know, later today. Um, Appalachian state found a way they didn't find a way they committed to filling their stadium on Tuesday, on a Tuesday, they see that game come out preseason on the schedule and go Tuesday night challenge accepted. We'll sell out our stadium. Marshall should do the same thing. There is no reason that you don't do the same thing if you want championship level everything then championship level fan support is part of that equation Mm -hmm. so we'll be there uh we'll be hosting a tailgate to make it the experience we're giving people a, a reason to go right you don't have to set up your whole tailgate pack it all up break it all down clean it all up we're gonna do that right the thundercast is gonna provide you a place to tailgate that is literally less than a a stone's throw away from the stadium. Uh, So, but you're right. The opportunity here for the city to be showcased, the conference again to be showcased, but Marshall University to be showcased is very, very, very big. In this world of super competitive recruiting, any little edge that you can get to feature your school, show the, the, the nice things that you have, and then, on top of that, you put a killer environment inside the stadium that showcases a true home field advantage. You just can't be, you can't buy that, you know, yeah. and, and it takes everybody to take part in that to make it happen. Now, James Madison's probably going to bring a fair amount of fans, I would imagine, mm-hmm. because uh, a whole generation of their fans haven't been to Huntington before. You know, this isn't one double A years where they may or may not have caught a game in Huntington before. This is a whole new generation of fans. And I have seen people say Huntington's a destination for me. It's a bucket list location. And I think herd fans lose sight of that because we're in Huntington 
And and we we know what we have here, and it's special to us. But there are fans across the country that go, Huntington's a bucket list location for me. I want to see Jonesy Edwards Stadium. I want to see you know Spring Hill Cemetery and the Memorial Fountains and all that stuff. And and you know what accentuates that is a packed West lot, a pass a packed East lot, C lot, softball lot, you know, big vibrant tailgates, a huge packed stadium a student section that stretches from row one all the way up to the very top of the stadium, and it's packed, right? Those things accentuate that trip and make people want to come back a second, third, and fourth time on top of a really great football game and some of that legendary herd hospitality. Russ, let's get into the game. ESPN Power Index sees this basically as a coin flip. I think some folks might be surprised by that based on last week's results. You know, James Madison handles Georgia Southern. Marshall goes down, doesn't take care of its business against Georgia State. But yet the ESPN Power Index gives the herd still, yes, we're a home dog, 46.2% chance to win for the herd. Basically a coin flip. Now, if that were on the road, it would look a little bit better. But being that Marshall's at home and sub 50%, not really as good. The line is now the herd plus three and a half as I started making my note today with an over under of 55. Puts you right in that 29 to 26 type score. Well, let me get a reaction from you on that. Uh, does this surprise you that the power index is the where it is and, and particularly the Vegas line is where it is right now? Nope. Does not surprise me. And I think when we go over this breakdown, you might get a glimpse into why I think that. But uh, it does not surprise me that it's that. Uh, you usually get about three points, give or take, uh, for being a home person. So they were basically saying uh, at the start when it opened at four, I think, uh, uh, for minus four for Marshall. I mean, minus four for JMU. They were basically saying, well, they're a touchdown favorite, but it's a, it's a Huntington. Right. So, um, doesn't surprise me. I think some fans were expecting to see a much larger spread. And, and I think really what that speaks to is that those fans, some of those fans are the ones we alluded to in the recap that they just live on the edge, you know, and it's like, well, we lost the game. It's over, you know? So yeah. they think, well, James Madison's going to come in undefeated. They're going to be a 21 point favorite or something like that, you yeah. know? So that's why I said you can't give up on this team. <laughs> you know, they might be struggling in a game, in a game, and there are areas on this team where they've been consistently struggling, but they're not a bad team. You know, we, we, we beat James Madison last year. Nobody thought we were going to do that, you know, but we did. So let's talk about some of these players from James Madison that you absolutely must be aware of, and it starts with the quarterback. They have yet another transfer quarterback who's playing really, really well. This seems to be at least in the recent future or the recent past, this is the James Madison M.O. You get that transfer quarterback, one-year guy maybe, maybe a two-year guy, and he comes in and lights it up for you. They really have a really unique plug-and-play system, and you think, man, how does that continue to work? But it does. Number two, quarterback, Jordan McLeod, foot, 199-pound senior. He's 100 out of 155 on the season for 1,432 yards. Get this. Killer interception to touchdown ratio. 14 touchdowns to just three interceptions. He does a great job of taking care of the football. Only been sacked nine times through six games. He also has 39 carries for 128 yards to the good for another two touchdowns on the ground. McLeod is a guy that started at South Florida. He went to Arizona and now has landed at James Madison. 
Then we go to a couple of running backs. Number six, running back Kalen Black, five foot ten, two hundred and ten pound sophomore, eighty four carries leads the team, four hundred and ten yards leads the team. Just one touchdown on the ground, but still four point nine yards per carry. Uh, setting off what Mister Black does, also running back number seven, Tyson Lawton. Five foot nine, two oh five. He's a senior. Forty nine carries this season for two hundred forty four yards, four touchdowns on the ground. Also good for five yards per carry. Then we're going to feature a couple of wide receivers, but I've gotten more notes later. Number one, wide receiver Reggie Brown, six foot one, one ninety five. Also a senior. Twenty catches on the season. Four hundred twenty three yards leads the team and three touchdowns. Good for twenty one point one yards per reception. Wow, that's pretty darn solid. Then number 13 to round it out, wide receiver Elijah Sherratt, 6'2", 207-pound sophomore, 24 catches leads the team, 385 yards, also three touchdowns for Mr. Sherratt, 16 yards per reception. Russ, this James Madison offense, 399 yards gained through the air, Per game, 154.5 on the ground, 244.5 through the air, and they're averaging 34.5 points per game. Here's the last bullet point I have, and then I'll turn it over to you. They have five different runners that have at least one rushing touchdown, and they have seven pass catchers that have at least one touchdown. They spread it around, they do a great job at it, and they're very effective on the ground and through the air. What about this JMU offense? Um, the spreading around really gets you, but you can see that they have two wide receivers that really hit all the big uh, chunk yardage and, and everything. They stand out to you. But out of the backfield, Black, 16 receptions, um, three touchdowns, he's going to be a problem. You know, mm -hmm. he's a, a dual threat back uh, as far as uh, running and, and receiving. Uh, McLeod took over, I think, uh, it was maybe the third quarter. It might've been the second quarter, uh, of the very first game. He did not win the starting job out of, uh, the gate and Barnett, the third just really did not do anything in his first half of football. And McLeod has not looked back in the review since he took over. Uh, one thing of note though, uh, as good as he's been, mm -hmm. and as much as our fan base has been on Cam Fancher, Fancher has a higher completion percentage, more yards, and he's ran for the same amount of touchdowns and ran for more yards. So McLeod is getting a lot of tout uh, for his uh, touting for what he has produced. It, that's why I'm saying Fancher is not the problem that we've been having and everything. What really stands out about you, though, is how efficient he has been, McLeod, with 14 touchdowns and three interceptions. He has just, again, had all these weapons that he's hitting, He and he's not get turning the ball over. Uh, the offense for them, uh, they are pretty balanced as far as they don't have one back. If he goes out, they don't have anybody. They don't have a – if a wide receiver is getting shut down, they don't have anybody. They've got weapons just about everywhere. So, yeah, it's kind of scary, 400 yards per game. So I knew you were going to go to this quarterback comparison because it's natural, right? right? Yes. But th this is the thing. 
if Cam has 14 touchdowns, three interceptions, nobody's complaining, right? They're, they're, right. they're not. They're not because they're thinking, wow, he's I don't, doing I well. Don't, I don't know, man. No, I, I can't buy that. I can't. If he's got 14 touchdowns and three interceptions, everybody's going to go, okay, well, we're scoring. He's doing well. He's got yards. A lot of those, a lot of that argument goes away. Because what are you going to say? You're going to pull a guy that's not turning the ball over just because you want to see somebody else play? There are always going to be fans that do that. But I, I know what you're saying, and I agree with you. He he is from a every other category except for turnover ratio. Cam's having a better season, right? But it's it's those turnovers that pop up, and it's the bad fumble. Those are things that just get amplified because they sure. do. They just get amplified. But if he's got a turnover ratio, a touchdown to turnover ratio like that, Nobody far okay. I say this far fewer people are complaining. Well, there you far go. fewer because I I feel like you're still going to say well he's doing it, but he's throwing it and the wide receivers are getting all the yards after catch and stuff like that. It's, yeah, we're hearing that anyway. Yeah, I, I, I don't no, give. A, I'm I'm saying that wouldn't go away if our yeah. guys were taking it to the house. They'd still say well that was on the wide receiver, yeah. and not him. So here's the point I'm I'm going to make. I don't give a rat's ass who gains the yard. Sure. <laughs> you know, I don't care if it's a gained yard through the air or right. a two yard pass that has gained another twenty yards uh, by way of run. That does, that is so unimportant, right? Because it's about the success of an offense. Who cares how you score the points? Who cares how you gain the yards? It's about gaining the yards and scoring the points. So, well, and you you're preaching to the choir with me. I know. I know. There, there's people that that are that are going to complain and. Again, we brought it up. They were they were complaining before a pass was thrown this year that yeah, yeah. You know, oh, yeah. it needed and so there's things that they're gonna look for. Now, if I were comparing the two, I would much rather take fourteen touchdowns and sure. three interceptions. Sure. I'm not saying anywhere that he has outperformed me. I'm just saying that we're looking at the different uh uh quarterbacks that we're facing and everything, and you know, Granger that came in coming into the game, the stats were eerily similar between the two and everyone was praising what Granger had done and, and everything. He outperformed cam in that game on the scoreboard uh, with three touchdowns and, you know, he got the victory, mm -hmm. but coming into the game, their stats looked very, very similar. And everyone's saying, Hey, we fear a Granger, but they're like, well, we got to get our guy out of here. Yeah. So Calm down. I wonder. I wonder what this will be like. You know, we don't know where everybody's going to be in two years. Mm -hmm. No, no clue. We don't know yeah. who our coaches are going to be. If they'll be the yeah. same. If they'll be different. Who our players yeah. are going to be same or different. But this is a senior quarterback, McLeod. We just mm -hmm. played a senior quarterback in Granger. Cam mm -hmm. Fancher's a sophomore quarterback, and I mm -hmm. still think people expect a sophomore to play like a fourth or fifth year senior and it right. just doesn't it just doesn't work that way right. you know you and and folks want to compare him to the greatest of the greats that we've ever like Rakeem Cato's sophomore year is all time right yeah. and everybody uses that as the measuring stick and that's unfair you know and, and I'm not trying to drag any other player but we had great players right so I haven't done it I'm just talking here what did Chad's sophomore year look like? What did Byron's? What did Morris's? What did Litton's? What did Isaiah Green's? What did these other quarterbacks' sophomore year look like? You know, is is Cam actually outpacing what they did, or is uh, is it just a case of well, you know, Rakeem had forty and fifteen, and that's what we expect from every quarterback? I mean, I'd love to see it. I just don't expect it to happen all the time. So, yeah, Chad uh, Chad had thirty nine and twelve. His uh, sophomore 
uh, year, and that was with Randy Moss. With Moss, <laughs> yeah, and, <laughs> That's he, right. and he had he had he had right at it was thirty four eighty on the yards. I've got it pulled up here, but yeah. only fifty nine point one completion percentage, right? And you had Randy Moss. And right. am I dragging Chad? No, Chad, Chad, in my opinion, is the greatest quarterback we've ever had here. And that's up for debate uh, by a lot of people because, you know, a lot of people say Byron or Chad or whatever, and they're going by stats or whatever. I think Chad was the best. Mm-hmm. And there are a lot of people that think so. He improved dramatically after Moss was gone in um, yards per attempt by the time he got to a senior. When he had Moss, he had 8.1 yards per attempt when he didn't have Moss. And this is as a senior in 99, 9.4 per attempt. Right. He had more yards. Uh, I mean, it's just, it's crazy how much he developed even after losing Randy Moss. That's just natural amongst quarterbacks. I think it also, you have to develop because you don't have this right. a, a, a generational weapon. So you have yep. to become a better quarterback at, at going through your progressions and, and things like, and that, that's stuff that our guys will do. It just comes with development experience and playing time, you know? All yep. right. So let's talk about this JMU defense. We've got a quartet of guys we've got to talk about. I should mention also, this is the second consecutive season where we have seen a Marshall defensive lineman hit the portal and go to James Madison. Yep. Two years ago, it or last year, I guess it was, um, Jamari Edwards, and, and uh, this year it's uh, Emmanuel Bush. So a couple of herd guys have, have made their way to Harrisonburg. But let's talk about these four guys. I got, for the first time, I think all season, it's all first and second level and predominate and dominated by the first level. We're not really featuring anybody in the secondary, which I think that in of itself says a whole lot about this JMU defense. But yeah. it starts from a tackle standpoint with number 11 linebacker Aiden Fisher, 6 foot 1, 227 pounds sophomore. 43 tackles leads the team, 18 of those solo leads the team. He's got one sack and one interception. Then, dude, it is a trio of defensive linemen. Number 10 defensive lineman Jalen Green, 6 foot 1, 245 senior. 31 tackles, 13 of those solo, get this, eight sacks on the season. One interception that was also a touchdown, two forced fumbles, and he has a pass defended. Number 99, James Carpenter, six foot two, 282 pounds. He's a junior, 25 tackles, 10 of those solo. He has three and a half sacks, and he also has an interception and two passes defended. Then we round it out with number three defensive lineman. Now this could be Michael or Mikhail. Kamara, six foot, 265 pounds, sophomore, 24 tackles, 15 of those solo, four and a half sacks, two forced fumbles, and one pass defended. That's three defensive linemen I featured, and that is what, 15, 16 sacks between those three guys. Holy crap. Well, let me add a guy that's right there with him because uh, Chroma has uh, 13 solo tackles, uh, 10 assists, 23 total, four sacks. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he's right there with Kamara on just about all that stuff. They four offensive or four defensive linemen here have eight, four and a half, four and three and a half. That's uh, 15, 19 sacks. Right. We have 20 total. Right. So impact plays for this James Madison defense. They have 26 total sacks on the season through six games. That's a little over four per game. 10 interceptions as a team, four forced fumbles, one fumble recovery, and a defensive score. This James Madison defense is allowing just 353 yards per game. Get this. 
310 through the air, just 42 rushing yards allowed per game. I could not find them on the NCAA stats category. You know why? Well, because they're transitioning, I'm sure. Yeah. And, and they're, yeah. of course. Yeah. But that's number one in the country by more than 24 yards per game over who is currently listed at number one, Utah, with like 60-some allowed. They are also only allowing 21.1 points per game, and you mentioned this before, but I had a little extra bullet point. They have 10 players on this roster that have at least a half a sack, four with at least three and a half sacks. What do you got on this James Madison defense? Well, first, it's crazy that the NCAA is not recording the stats for transitioning teams. There's three of them. Put their stats on there. They yeah, are what they are. If they're, if they're number one or if they're number 133, who cares? You know? Yeah. So um, we, uh, we've we not faced a defensive line like this this year. Uh, we talked about how good the front seven was and the defensive line was at NC State. And yep. in my opinion – they are way down below James Madison. This is a dominant team. They gave up negative 12 yards to Troy. By the way, if you look at what uh, Vidal or yeah, whatever Kamani Vidal is, is, is yeah, tearing it up. Yeah, and they held him to something like 27 yards. Yeah. Uh, they have stopped everybody except for Utah State. Utah State had a 100-yard rusher against them. They had 102 from that guy, 98 or something like that overall when you factored in the sack yards and everyone else. Uh, They have only had one person rush on them all year long, one. Everyone else has been shut down. One guy rushed on them. Yeah, They have gotten to the quarterback. They have created havoc. And that is one of the reasons that they have the record that they have and the point scored that they have is because their field position, they are constantly pushing people back the, the, the wrong way. It's a short field for them. It's a lot easier for their offense to operate. If we were doing that, think of, think of how well we did last year. Right. Because That's of exactly our defense, what I was going to say. Our defense holding people to put us into an easier scoring position. We had a struggling offense last year uh, with the quarterback change that we had to do, and we ended up winning games because our defense put us in that position. Yeah, that our smothering defense, that smothering run defense of the herd of 2022 allowed for real-time development, in-game development of Cam, and we saw that. Every week we were like, he's a better quarterback than he was last week. Yep. And and this year we're not seeing it, and they are, and and they're playing complementary football. It's something I say all the time. Good defense sets up that offense. They're really efficient on offense. They're not turning the ball over. It leads to points. And if you can do that through a good portion of the game, and you can force your opponents into a three and out, favorable field position for yourself, and then get a score before you know it, it's fourteen nothing, seventeen nothing, and then what the hell are you going to do against a team with really good defense, right? That, and if you think, well, okay. James Madison maybe is only built to win that way. Nope, they've won games where it was a grinder. They beat Troy 16-14 to in a game that you just said. They basically shut down Kamani Vidal, who is absolutely killing it this year. And they've won shootouts. You said Utah State was the only team to run on them. They won that game 45-38. to So they're very much like the herd in the sense that they can win in a number of ways. 
but you're going to have to match their intensity and execution on defense to have a legitimate shot to win this game. That's scary because that's not something Marshall has been able to consistently do this whole season. All right, if this was a one-game anomaly, you could get over it, but busted coverage plays, huge trunk plays allowed, it's happened every single game. We're six games in. So mm-hmm. I can't sit here and go, well, you know, it just needs to get cleaned up. I think it will this week. I don't think it will get cleaned all the way up magically in a week, especially when we talk about potentially not having a guy like Eli Neal in the middle. Mm-hmm. That could be massive. That's a massive you, loss if he's not we, suited up. We don't know about Jacorian Anderson. We don't right. know if he's coming back. We don't know about these guys because we, Marshall doesn't really talk about that. But it being such a short week, it's harder to get back. Of course. So let's talk about – let me feature their place kicker real quick, and then we're going to get into some quick team stats and some keys. Uh, place kicker number 40, Camden Wise, six foot one, 178-pound senior. If you're looking for this to be a area of the game where we might have an advantage, I can't say that we do because he's 9 of 9 on field goals on the season with a long of 46, has not had to attempt a kick of 50-plus yards yet, and he's 24 of 24 on extra points. They just flat make their kicks. Um. So teams wise, team stats real quick. First downs, they've got 111 total. And this is the first time that we've seen where a team has a, not a marked difference, but it's a little bit of a difference. It's not, you know, right neck and neck. 44 have come by rush, 55 through the air. So that's something to pay attention to. They, they tend to pass for first downs on those third down situations maybe or those second and long situations, however they're picking them up. And then only 12 have come by penalty. Uh, third downs, which I know you love the ranking. I'm just going to give the percentage. They're 23 of 78. That's only 29.5%. Uh, time of possession, they're sub 30 minutes in the game. Not a lot, but uh, 29.47. Penalties, they're pretty good at. Now, they do have six. Marshall had been hovering around that six, but it's only for 47 yards. So it looks like their penalties are very minor. You know, you're looking at a false start here and there or something like Holding. that. Yeah, maybe a hold here and there. And then the turnover ratio, despite the quarterback taking great care of the ball, they are only plus four. Now, that's really good. That's really good. You may have expected that to be a little higher. So that tells me, okay, they take really good care of the football, but they may turn it over to you if you can swarm to the football. You may be able to knock one out here and there. But you can't have what we saw against Georgia State where a ball hits the ground and we look at it for a second. You're going to have to be Johnny on the spot. You're going to have to be swarming. You have to capitalize if you want to try to win this game. So give me some of those rankings that I know you love to talk about, and we'll get into keys. None? Can't do rank, can't do rankings. Oh, that's right. They're what the hell? not on there. That's, that's right. why this, this was such a uh, uh, different kind of prep for me. It, it was so out of my realm yeah. and everything that's because right. I, I normally go to that site and look and everything, but I knew that they were number one in sacks. I knew that they were up there in not allowing sacks. And yeah. I know that they are by far, like you mentioned, number one in rushing defense. Yeah. Uh, it is surprising on the turnover margin because they've got four interceptions, one by the quarterback that uh, only played the first half of the first game. And they have 10 interceptions that you mentioned that they have taken away and all the fumble recoveries that you mentioned that they had taken away. Wasn't there three of those? No, I think it's, let me look. No, it's only one. They forced four, but only recovered one. Only. Okay. I thought they, okay. So uh, they have 11 takeaways and they have three or four interceptions that they've thrown. If they're plus four, they've, they've fumbled a little bit. They have. It's it's maybe close to around that one a game. 
but we have fumbled a lot more than that. So, yeah, well, we have fumbled in terrible ways, like on the exchanges. You know, it, it's it's usually not a case of the ball getting punched out. We saw that last week. We've, and we've we, had some wide receiver fumbles, and, and I'm going to say, and we've seen it from the receivers, yeah. and that's that's really what might be concerning because, well, let's just get into keys to victory, right? Because yeah. I think that's where the disparity lies. What's your number yeah. one key to victory this week? Number one, we have got to be able to run the ball. And I know that that sounds like, well, no crap, Russ. Uh, but one person has ran the ball against them. And mm -hmm. I think that we have got to be able to do that because if they do what they have done to everybody else and we're getting 50 yards or less, we are going to be in trouble. Mm -hmm. So my number one key is we have got to be able to run the ball. What's that look like? I don't know. I don't know if we're going to have to have – uh, something that looks more like a true RPO that we go in there, maybe even a looks like a power eye that we kind of got in a little bit on uh, short yardage uh, in the last game. Maybe have Payne and Ali in the backfield at the same time. Maybe run more with Fancher on more RPO, not traditional uh, triple option. But we've got to be able to run the ball. Yeah, I'll tell you what we did see against Georgia State. We saw two tight ends in the backfield. I saw Matillo yep. and Soto in there yep. in that short yep. yardage situation. Yep. And they did it two times in a row. The first time yep. Ali got stopped right at the line. The second time they were able to open up enough of a hole for him to squirt through and get that touchdown. So yep. that was a nice little wrinkle to see. Yep. Uh, you know, those of you from, I don't remember what the college football game is, you know, for what year it was, but you, you famously remember Marshall coming to the line sporting their jumbo package. Jumbo package yeah. And I just thought, that's what I thought when I saw two, two tight ends come into the game. I thought, all right, we're going big here and we're going to try to, you know, see if we can just push the line and get that in. And that's the kind of stuff, honestly, I like to see because that's, that tells me we're not getting cute and creative. We're just going to try to line up and go their guy on our guy and move the line, right? Yep. And, and actually, that was my number three key to victory, but like you, I don't really rank these. Right. Um, although my number one is usually my number one. I'm going to talk about my number three first, and it's move the chains. That's it. Just move the chains. That means getting the hard yards with Ali. That might be what he gets all game long. He might get mm -hmm. He might average two and a half yards a carry, but if those two and a half yards move the chains on a third and two, I'll take it because it's all about living to fight another series of plays. I don't care if it's sexy. I don't care if it's cute. This is a grinder to me. This is move the chains, keep moving the chains, keep moving the chains, keep that defense on the field so that maybe, just maybe, later in a game, that sliver of a hole becomes a little bit wider and Ollie can bust it loose, right? Uh, so it's going to take, I think it's going to take Rasheem. I think it's going to take Cam. And I think it's going to take Ethan Payne all getting hard yards most of this game, if not all of this game. What's your number two? This one is going to be just equally as tough in my position, but uh, we're going to have to keep them off of Cam. These defensive linemen that have 19 sacks amongst the four of them, we're going to have to keep them off of Cam. I don't know if that is uh, quick slants. I don't know if it's screen passes. I don't know what it is, but we've got to keep Cam. He took an absolute beating last mm -hmm. week, and he cannot keep doing that. 
because what you're going to get is him in the middle of throwing instead of just getting it off and he gets hit and it's a fumble or it's an interception because it goes up straight in the air to a defensive lineman or a linebacker that takes it to the house. We have got to keep them off of camp. Yeah, that's a great point, man. Pressure is so hard to defend, and you you that's where it falls on our offensive game plan to, you know, you've got to do something to mitigate that. And you're right. If it's I, I don't I don't necessarily want to see screen passes all day, but quick right. slants should be a yeah. big part. There should be a hot a hot receiver. You know, you see the pressure yeah. coming. There's got to be a hot read all the time. My number one key to victory. That's legitimately my number one key to victory that I'm obviously talking about at number two, is discipline and sound defense. It killed us against Georgia State. Killed us. The penalties killed us against Georgia State. So we have to be far more disciplined this week. We cannot extend drives via penalty. Yeah. We cannot do the one thing you can't do to extend a drive flip the momentum, take the momentum away from ourselves. We did that. We took the momentum away from ourselves and basically handed it over to Georgia State and allowed him allowed them to close out that game. And then, of course, the sound defense has been a theme of mine all year long, and we haven't seen it consistently for 60 minutes. If you can't do it for 60 minutes against James Madison, <clears throat> this is going to be a really tough game to win. Yeah. We've proven we can score points. Do you want to get in a shootout with, with them? Because that means you're going to have to exploit a really great defense in all of college football. I don't want to get in a shootout with them. I want to do our part, and we play complimentary football this time. Uh, what is your number three? Tackle. We have got to tackle. No arm tackles. No, I got a, a forearm on a guy. We have got to tackle. We've got to hit people, and we've got to drive them into the dirt. And we have seen too many people out of place. Uh, but we've also seen too many missed tackles that once they get past that, they're taking it to the house because yeah. there's nobody there. We have got to do a better job of tackling or at least slowing that person down instead of just an arm tackle that it allows somebody else to get back into place to where we can get a group tackle. So I'll tell you what, I actually saw that a, a, a bunch in Georgia in this Georgia State game. It was a little it would be little screen passes and we'd have two or three guys there and all of them went for the hit and not the tackle, and and a guy would absorb a hit or two or get bounced off a couple of guys and then stretch it for another three or four yards. Yeah. And, and that's the kind of thing you just you, – yeah. why? You got three guys there, one guy ought to be tackling, the next two guys ought to be hitting. You know what yeah. I mean? Uh, I, I love that point too. My number three key to victory this week is wide receivers and tight ends have to maximize opportunities. Yeah. You can't have the drops on the third down that's above the sticks – you know, we can't have the unnecessary hold that's away from the play, let's say. we You just have to maximize them. If Cam's going to throw you not even a perfect ball, you're going to have to do everything you can do to catch that football. Everything, right? It's, it's all about making the catch. Don't worry about the move. If it's only good for four or five yards, then it's good for four or five yards. We have to maximize opportunities. He's not going to throw every ball perfectly. We've seen it all the time. If it's uncatchable, it's uncatchable. I don't want you to be Superman, but if it hits you in the hands, if it hits you in the numbers, I need you to reel it in. You know, we need, again, to go back to being able to move the chains. If we're going to have to ask our guys to get the hard yards on third and short, second and short, then you have to do your part to get that first down gain for five, six, seven yards. Russ, what's your final if you have only four key to victory? Uh, we have got to 
come into this game angry at what has happened these last two games, both winnable games that we didn't win, and we can't come out how some of the fans have said, well, we'll not win another game. We cannot have our players, which I don't think they ever do. Our players just cannot buy into that. Mm-hmm. They cannot come in and say, well, it's the 6-0, and should be ranked James Madison team. They should say, we're the better team. We just haven't shown it our last two games. Mm-hmm. We need to get back on that. So we've got to come out strong. We've got to come out fiery, and we've got to keep up that intensity the entire game. So that to me, I love the point, but I don't. I'm with you. I don't think that's a thing because I think I these think guys, these guys look at this and they go, "This is an undefeated team put yeah. right at a top 25 team yeah. coming into our house on ESPN on a Thursday night. This yeah. is our opportunity to that's show right. the Sun Belt. We're for real. That's what it is. This is their opportunity to hush a lot of those cliffhangers and and go out and say, "All right, Marshall really truly is a contender." They had a bad game, and people live week to week, and they're counting us out and writing us off already. That's what I think this is. My number four key to victory for the herd. I think they've got to go plus two in turnovers. I, I don't. I, I would add to that that I don't think they can turn it over at all. I think they're going to have to force two at least two without turning the ball over. But mm-hmm. if you've got to turn, if you're going to turn it over, you've got to be at least plus two. I think that gives you the best shot to win, because this team is just so complimentary of what they do on defense and offense. Man, you're going to have to create some extra opportunities for your offense. You know, some some something extra. You're going to have to do it. So it, it's going to be a, a hard game, man. It's really going to be tough for us. Who's your MVP this week? Well. Maybe think I'm crazy, but I'm going to go with Rasheen Ali. And I think that uh, if he is going to do what we need to be done, which was my key number one, Mm -hmm. then he will be the clear MVP. I see him uh, to get that would have to have over 100 yards rushing against this amazing front seven that we're going up against. And I think that he would have to score a couple of times. So if that happens, I really like him being our MVP. Yeah, I, I it's hard to go against Rasheen. He makes the yeah. Marshall offensive machine go to a certain extent. Yeah, Cam gets his hands on the ball every snap, unless it's a direct snap somewhere. But Rasheen Ali has been the weapon that can break open a game, and, and, and we all know that. And this is another excellent opportunity for him to continually prove that he is the upper echelon of SBC backs, right? gashing up a James Madison defense when nobody else has really been able to do it says a lot about who you are as, as a back and how elusive and tough and, and fast you are. Here's my, here it is. I mean, call it a cop out. I don't care. MVP of this game has to be the herd defense has to be because yeah. they have not shown up for 60 minutes yet. If they don't show up for 60 minutes in this game, I don't know that there's a pathway to victory without James Madison coming out and turning the ball over four or five times. You know, it. it I can't rely on them to self-destruct. I, I have to. I have to rely on our guys to do their job and beat and win individual matchups all day long. That's what it is. I, I need our defense to play team defense, fast defense, aggressive defense, sound fundamental defense, and force a turnover or two or three. That's what I need to see. They have to be the defense, or, or they have to be the MVP. Cam's going to do what Cam's going to do. Rasheen's going to do what he's going to do. We're hoping to see guys like 
If Conley's back, Conley do what he does. Matillo continue to do what he's doing. And we need to see a little bit of a step up. We need to see a reemergence from guys like Chuck Montgomery. We need to see Caleb Coombs reel in that third down conversion. Jaden Harrison to continue to spark us on special teams. All those things need to continue to happen. The MVP has to be the defense. What's your score prediction this week? Man, all right. So let me qualify this by saying they beat Virginia by one point, thirty-six yeah. to thirty-five. They beat uh, Troy by two points, sixteen to fourteen. They beat Utah State. They had to come back in that game. I think they were ahead, and then they lost it, and then they came back. I'd have to go back and look, but they won by a touchdown, forty-five to thirty-eight. They uh, beat uh, South Alabama thirty-one to twenty-three. So other than Bucknell, which they started off against as the FCS school. They had really tight, close games until this last week, mm -hmm. and they handled, handled Georgia Southern. So I'm going back and forth. I'm thinking everyone has passed on them. They have gotten put up big passing yards. Uh, 271, I think, was the lowest of these uh, non-FCS uh, matchups that they had, all the FBS schools. Some of them pass for over 400 yards against them. Mm -hmm. They can give up a lot of plays through the air. They can give up a lot of points, as you can see with these scores. Um, our defense has not earned it these last few games. They have not. I want them. I want to eat as much crow as I can. I hope someone is listening to this. Last year, I uh, thought, we were going up against Todd Centeo. I thought that we were going to go down there and we were going to get waxed because of the uncertainty at quarterback. I didn't know that Columbia was going to be out. I didn't know that we were going to put in Fancher. I didn't know Centeo was going to be out. All that stuff was so different, and I picked James Madison to beat us handily last year at their house. And I hope that I am so wrong but I'm picking James Madison to beat us 27 to 24. And in, until our defense shows up, like I know that they can, mm -hmm. but they have not proven it the last three games. That's why I'm going 27 to 24 James Madison. Well, you can't, I can't fault you for that. Right. Because it's, it's not, it's just not wrong. I mean, I'm not saying you're going to be right or going to be wrong. I'm just saying right. like you haven't, we haven't put up a solid, um, defensive effort that's just super smothering all year long. Now, here's what I'm going to say um, about James Madison this year. They handled Georgia Southern. Georgia Southern had three interceptions. James Madison turned the ball over zero times. Mm -hmm. Okay? You, you take care of the football, you have a chance to win. If James Madison turns the ball over, you're going to keep it close, and you'll have to make enough plays to get the win. Now, you brought up last year's game. James Madison also had an amazing defense last year, amazing mm -hmm. rush defense last year. And what happened? Kalen Laburn went into Harrisonburg and rushed for 151 yards on that defense, propelling the herd to victory. And we all remember the, uh, the sweep that uh, you could have driven a truck through that he mm -hmm. ran, I don't know what it was, 60 yards, 61 yards or something like that. And that busted that game open. Marshall was yeah. only able to put 26 points on the board, I think it was. 26-12. And, and, and Laburn had two touchdowns in that game. So nobody had ran on him to that point either. And then right. the herd came to town and ran on him. You do, now, you don't think that sticks in their crawl too? 
Of course mm-hmm. it does, because you went in and beat them a place that they don't lose football games. So they want this one just as bad as we do. They want to come into Huntington and beat us, and they want to beat us handily. But I tell you what, this is bounce back for me. I'm not drinking the Kool-Aid. I don't give a shit. I call it like I see it. I feel yeah. like this is a bounce back game for Marshall to prove that last week was a freaking fluke, and we killed ourselves. 38-35, heard in a shootout at home to beat James Madison and quiet all of the Kings of the East chatter. Give Love me it. the herd, 38 to freaking 35. And Rashan, Rashin Ali might just go over 120 bills and find the end zone three times. I don't know that, but give me the guts of the herd, 38 to 35. I want to see it, man. I really do. And last year, I hand... I. I said, give me a buffet full of crow, you know, (laughs) I will eat it all. And I never, ever want to pick against our herd. You know, I always, I always believe even in the, the dark bleak years of watching us, uh, eke out three victories on the year. I wanted to believe I never gave up. I went to every game. Right. I, I, and I, it kills me to have to pick against them, but I'm hoping, hoping, that because the one time I picked against them last year, <laughs> we we came in and just turned that game around and and turned our season around. Yep. yep. I'm hoping that they will, if anybody out there is listening, guys, please make me back up a truck full of crow for me to eat. Because Next tailgate will be fried crow just for us, yeah, right? Just for me. <laughs> just for me. Please, please make me eat crow. <laughs> no, I'm 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 just sold on the 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 pissed offness, the you know, we're letting it slip away. You cannot, even though a tiebreaker really is not gonna help you in this Sunbelt Championship standings or Sunbelt standings, they're undefeated. Coming to your house, looking to beat you at home. Nah, nah. Give me give me a pissed off Ali, give me a pissed off Owen Porter. You know, give me give me a pissed off everybody and and looking to set things straight. Quiet the fan base. Guys, show out. $20 tickets. Promo code ESPN. Get you a $20 seat. Get to the game. Support the herd. I feel something good coming, man. I just do. I feel something one, good coming. One final thing to say is we're 3-0 and all time against them. Twice here in Huntington and once down there last year's game. So 87, 94, and 2022, we're 3-0 and against James Madison. Let's go. I've got a lot of respect for the Dukes. I really do. Love, I really love do. them. Yeah, I think they're it, a great program. I think they're, yeah. they're, 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 they do things the right way. But I love the herd more. Yeah. Let's do it. Uh, let's go around the herd real quick, man. Yeah, so we're going to start off with volleyball. We got swept on the road by Georgia Southern 3-0 and 3-0 uh, last uh, Friday and Saturday. And we are hosting App State this Friday at 6 p.m. and Saturday at 2 p.m. Don't forget those are We Are Herd Strong games. Uh, if you don't know what that is, we talked about it on yesterday's show. But go to Herd Zone. You can submit a story about uh, cancer and how it's affected uh, someone you know or someone in your family or whatever, and you can get free tickets. Cross country, Abby Herring placed 13th out of 385 in the Mm -hmm. Arturo Berrios Invitational, setting a new school and a new personal record for her in the 6K, 20 minutes and two seconds. Have we said enough about Abby on this no, show? No, absolutely not. <laughs> no. I mean, we're going to have a spinoff show called Abby Sets New Records. <laughs> yeah. uh, Hannah Weiler, Ashabora, and Sophia Newsom all also set new personal records. Uh, Evan White led the men in the 8K. Um, 
but no one stood out as much as Abby. Yeah. Shocker. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Men's basketball. We picked up a commitment uh, from Will Moore, a six foot seven shooting guard out of Georgia. If you've seen any of his social media, the, uh, he had a sick dunk on uh, his announcement of I'm going to make my commitment today mm -hmm. uh, on the tweet that he put out. Uh, looks to have good range uh, with his shot and also driving to the hoop. Six foot seven guard, uh, long, lean. Looks like he can put on some pounds, but really good pickup because amongst all the teams that were recruiting him, Alabama was one of them. Right. Yeah. He's a good kid. Good, good quality pickup for the herd. Going to add a lot of depth and potentially be a big, uh, pro, not performer contributor, maybe even as early as his first year on campus. Right. Because we don't know, you know, we're expecting a big leap from guys like Jacob Connor this year. Yeah. So it kind of fits that mold. Very tall, yep. very lean. Looks like a guy that could play multiple positions depending on what yep. five are on the floor. So uh, I know a lot of herd fans are excited about this pickup and, um, I am too. Like, yeah. Bring it on. I love it. Yeah. Uh, women's golf, they finished 10th at the uh, UNC Greensboro Collegiate in a field of 20 teams, so right there in the middle. And they improved each day, which was what uh, looked uh, really impressive because their final round, they shaved off about 13 strokes, I think, off of uh, their day two. Uh, very solid final round. Charlotte Invitational is Monday and Tuesday, so that is ongoing right now. As you will be listening to this, it's probably going to be wrapped up and over. Mm -hmm. Men's Golf, they uh, have the Dayton Invitational Monday and Tuesday. Exact same thing. By the time you listen to this episode, that will probably be over. Uh, they picked up a commit to Kel Ropietsky from Harvey's Lake, Pennsylvania, class of 2024. Cool. Uh, tennis. They are currently at the Greyhounds Women's Classic in Baltimore. They did have some uh, things come out about that. I uh, have not been able to put that pen to paper for these notes here, but in the next uh, recap, we will have a lot more about where they finished in that. They have more regionals coming up this uh, week. The ITA regionals all week, five different days, going to be in Lynchburg, Virginia. I can give you one note on that. Uh, Gabrielle Colorat and Emily uh, Shutt, they won the green draw at the uh, Greyhounds Women's Tennis Classic. So how about that? We, we, we yeah. ended up with, a, with an overall win there in that tournament. That's, that's the article that I did not get to add to the notes. We had to push off around the herd until today, so didn't have that. Uh, over to the soccer pitch. Women's soccer, they lost to Georgia State 4-1 to at home on Saturday, and then they will be traveling to Statesboro to face Georgia Southern on Thursday at 6 p.m. Going to be a bad draw since we'll be glued to the football stadium over here for everybody that's in Huntington, hopefully. Yeah. Uh, but maybe you can turn on the first half in at your tailgate and cheer on our lady herd. They will then be back home hosting Coastal Carolina on Sunday at 1 p.m. You know, we always have tickets to those games, and this is uh, coming down toward the end of the season, so you need mm -hmm. to get out and support them at home. Nothing better than a Sunday after church. Head on over to the soccer field. Cheer on your squad. With free tickets. Free tickets. <laughs> 
Now, men's soccer. They beat the comb and waddles off the Shauna Clears. <laughs> Six to one in Huntington on Friday. If you watched that game, it was a human highlight reel from several people, but that bicycle kick, if you haven't seen it by now, seek it out. We've we've tweeted it out. Just about everybody's tweeted it out. Yeah. Made sports sports center top ten. Uh, I think it came in at number five. Number maybe? five, yep. Number five. Um Absolutely huge showdown in Morgantown on Wednesday. Uh, coming in officially, WVU is the number seven ranked team. But earlier today, College News came out and said that they had them ranked number two. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's not what we're going by. United Soccer uh, coaches will not come out until uh, Tuesday to know where they land. But they should be around that top five I don't know where they're going to end up because uh, I think Akron had a draw, but everyone else won that was in the top five. So I don't really see it, but it, it should be around a top five matchup. Number one versus number five, number one versus number six, number one versus number three. We don't know. We're number one. Who cares? <laughs> but always good to face them in the Mountain State Derby, but we have – one down here and lost up there. We need to change that trend. Yeah. Then after that game, oh, by the way, that is uh, uh, Wednesday at, is it 6 p.m.? Uh, I don't know. I'll get that for you. Uh, but we will be back home on Sunday to host Kentucky at 4.30, and that is the second half of a doubleheader that you can have at our soccer pitch. Go to the women's soccer and then men's soccer after a short break. Cool. Got anything else? I got that's two things. Around, that's it got, for around the herd from me. I got two things. Uh, real quick, Sun Belt Basketball Media Days announced. It looks like uh, Cam Kerfman is going to be accompanying oh, yeah. accompanying Dan D'Antoni down to New Orleans for Media Days. And fresh breaking news on the Twitter timeline: Russ from Women's Basketball, Rashala Scott named preseason first team All Sun Belt today. So excellent. Excellent start here. I expect to see uh, more herd women's basketball players on these postseason awards list than right now because yeah, there's a lot of new and there's a lot of unknown right now by the league and and you know they don't know what Kim Caldwell is going to be fielding and we don't know how our players are going to are going to play. But we do know Rashala Scott was an absolute weapon for the herd last year along with Abby Beeman. So a lot of these transfers coming in with Coach Kim and the style of play we hope and we think is going to be absolutely smothering and one of those things that's going to take this league literally by storm. So expect to see a lot more positive accolades through the season, mid-season, and uh, uh, definitely on the postseason uh, all-sum belt teams and maybe even those of the year type players as well. But two great things to close out in uh, around the herd segment. And that numbers, uh, that Mountain State Derby is 7 p.m. on Wednesday for uh, men's soccer. So tune in ESPN Plus, 7 p.m. on Wednesday. There you go, man. Excellent. Excellent. Lots to go on. The, the men's soccer schedule, like we said a, a couple episodes ago, is fading quite quickly. There's yep. not going to be too many more opportunities, I think maybe just two in the regular season, yep. to see the herd at home. And, um, Obviously, we always have tickets for those, and we want people to get there and come see this team. Uh, you know, we had the biggest uh, amount of traffic on a giveaway for this Coastal Carolina game than we've ever had um, outside of probably the West Virginia game last year. But uh, 
two more opportunities. That's all you got. So we're going to give those tickets away. I want you to get out there and watch this team. They're so, so good. They're so, so fun to watch. So um, excellent around the herd, Russ. On the other side of this quick break, we're going to have Ryan Crisp from the athletic department to come in, join the Thundercast one more time, and he's going to give us all the details on herd baseball season tickets, the process, everything, all the details, so everybody will know exactly what's going on and how it can fit into your budget to see the herd at Jack Cook Field this year. Hang with us. It's the Thundercast. Russ, check it out. Look who's back. Our good buddy Ryan Crisp from the athletic department. He's going to give us all the details on herd baseball season tickets because I know there are a lot of questions out there. There's a lot of rumors that we need to dispel, and we just flat out need to get the facts, right? Because there are there's a lot of excitement around this program. There's a lot of excitement about the potential of seeing the herd at home in Huntington at Jack Cook Field. I know literally thousands of people want to do that. So, first, welcome back, man, and uh, we appreciate you coming on and helping us set the record straight. Yeah, for sure. No, thanks for having me on again. Um, I love your guys' platform, love what you guys do, um, and so it's a great place for us to discuss things. And um, to every Herd fan that gave their, their feedback, one, that's why we love everyone, because of the passion that everyone has for Marshall Athletics, and two, we hear you, okay? We hear you. So, hopefully this helps uh, answer some of the questions, dispel some of the rumors, um, and get ready for uh, December 1st as we start selecting seats. I love it, man. I love it. So let, let's just let just walk me through it then. I guess that's the best way to do it. I'm a first-time season ticket potential buyer. Um, a, a, can you just kind of explain to me what my options are, how it fits in, what the hell is a premium seat, what the heck is a preferred seat, or whatever you guys are using those, those terms. What do I need to do to secure seats where I want seats? For sure. The, the first thing you got to do is you got to buy a brick. Um, you can do that at herdbricks.com. Uh, it's part of our capital campaign that we're doing for the baseball stadium. Uh, when you purchase a brick, uh, that brick will be displayed at the baseball stadium uh, for its entirety, um, as well as you get a replica brick sent to your house that you can display in your home to show off um, your support for, for the herd. Uh, but buying a brick is the first step. Um, that's how you get on the wait list. That's how you uh, earn the right to purchase a season ticket. Uh, at a lot of new stadiums, they have what they call PSLs, premium seat license, where you have to purchase a seat license in order to purchase a ticket. That's kind of our PSL in a way is what it is, is the brick purchases a PSL. It's how you get your name on the list in order to purchase tickets. Um, you purchase one brick, you can purchase however many tickets you're allotted in the section that you want to buy in. So if you're buying in section you know, 105 that has the four ticket limit, uh, you buy one brick, you can buy four season tickets um, in that section there. Um, so buying a brick is the first thing. It doesn't matter if you buy the $200 brick or if you buy the $2,500 brick. As long as you purchase a brick, you are on the list. So that is the first step. Awesome. Uh, from there, once you purchase the brick, um, that ends on, for the season ticket wait list, it ends on October 31st. Uh, we will sort everyone in priority point order. Priority points are accumulated through your life of being a Marshall fan. They're calculated in our system automatically based on donation levels, years of donating, uh, season ticket purchases, consecutive years buying season tickets, post-season tickets. There's numerous things you can accumulate a priority point. Those are all calculated in our system and on your account um, maintained throughout the year. Um, so we will put everyone in priority point order that at that point, we will give everyone a 
a day and a time slot where you're able to purchase tickets. Um, that ticket selection process will start on December 1st. It will, we're still working through the details. We're hopeful that all the seating will actually be done in the stadium and the Wi-Fi will be ready in the stadium. And so we're hoping that for that seat selection process, we will actually be in the baseball stadium. So if you're local or it's worth making a trip for you, you can actually come to the stadium, sit in the exact seats that you want and make sure they work for you. Uh, once we get through that process, that kind of completes the reserved season ticket process. Um, you know, I'm sure everyone saw the pricing that we sent out in terms of the different price points, the different sections, where you're gonna be, um, the biggest thing I think in there, the, the biggest detail that's different from our other sports that we ticket is we have what we call an optimal seat, which is just the first row and the aisle seats um, are a higher price point than a seat in the middle of the section. Um, that's become a pretty industry standard thing now. And it's just one of those things where that seat is more valuable than the other seats. When you call in, most the most thing we hear when people ask is, hey, do you have an aisle available? That's the first thing people ask for. It's just a higher valued seat, uh, which is why that's in there than that first row in baseball. Uh, you get that first row right behind the on-deck circle and you get to see all those guys come and stand in the on-deck circle. I mean, it's a super cool experience, super unique. And so that's why the price points are where they are. And that's basically the, the timeline of, of where we're at. So after you exhaust reserve seats, uh, will there be options for general admission seats? Where will those lie? And um, any other tiers that yeah. we're looking at down the road? No, 100% there will be. All we release so far is just the reserved seating. In the reserved seating, it's about 1,200 seats. Um, when you get through what we'll hold for the coaches and the players and all that kind of stuff, I bet we'll sell about 1,000 uh, to 1,050 seats or so um, is what we're actually sell in this sections 101 through 109. Um, once that process is done, uh, there will be additional seating options. Um, with the design build that we're doing with the stadium, it's great because we're saving a lot of money on architecture fees and all that kind of stuff. Kind of the bad thing and the back end thing is that we don't know exactly what those areas are going to look like. And that's not really for us. That's more for the fire marshal. So once we get everything built, once the fence is up and we know where the gates are going to be and the size of the gates and all that stuff that goes into the safety of our fans, then the fire marshal will put his stamp on, okay, you can have x number of people in this stadium and here's where those people can be so these are where we're going to have areas that we can have those people so we will have more options um you know I'm, I'm very confident that we will sell through all of our reserve seats based on the brick um list um mm -hmm. and there may be even some people that we don't get to yet and that will be the first ones that will be able to purchase a, a general mission season ticket a standing room season ticket I know there's some drink rails that are going to be installed on the outfield area or on the um, from like the first and third base to the outfield fence there. Foul holes. Um, well, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Drink rail area where you can stand. Um, so there'll be other options for, for fans um, as well as single game tickets. You know, if mm -hmm. you're looking to come in for a game or two a year, you're not local, whatever it may be, there will be options. We will hold tickets for single game tickets where there will be tickets available for every game. Uh, we're also working on a, uh, a buyback program. Um, you know, this year we will have 27 games, 27 Marshall baseball games in the Jack. Um, and so we know that when you buy a season ticket, it's going to be hard for you to come to all 27 home games. Uh, so we're working on a buyback program where you'll be able to 
maybe sell those tickets on SeatGeek, or maybe you'll be able to donate back to the athletic department and we'll be able to sell them as a single game ticket. So we're still working through those details, but that'll be an option as well to get a reserved single game ticket through that program. Ryan, what about, uh, what can you tell everyone? We've highlighted a little bit, but out in the outfield, the uh, container uh, suites for, I can't remember the brand that they are, but what can you tell us about those? Yeah, the Box Life Suites, um, as of right now, they're still TBD for year one. We're hoping that they're going to get in there and install. Um, that would be a same thing as a football Sky Suite contract. It would be sold on a yearly basis uh, where you'd be able to purchase that suite. Um, they're super cool, super unique. Um, ideally, we're able to use them for multiple areas, multiple facets, kind of move them around kind of thing. Um, but as of right now, that's still kind of TBD based on cost, design, getting them in okay. there, all that good yeah. stuff. Yeah. So okay. there will be, you know, future options that aren't may not necessarily be there this year. Um, all told, what what are you thinking after we know a lot of this is TBD based on what you said, safety, fire marshal stamps of approval and all that stuff. What do you guys think in the overall capacity is going to be in the neighborhood of when it's all when it all gets said and done? Yeah, it's it's really hard to tell. I think anywhere between like three to five thousand, but it's really hard to tell just based oh. on the Sure. Where you can have people under the gates and all that kind of stuff, um, and so it's it, it's hard to tell right now. But I'm hoping somewhere between three and five is where, wow. we'll, where we'll get to. I think that's quite a bit more than I was expecting you to say. Yeah, I was thinking twenty five might be the the limit. Actually, that's that's a lot. No, I'm hoping we can push it, especially in the outfield areas. Have a have a spot there to push it a little bit and and kind of get some more people in there. So awesome. Uh, October thirty first is the deadline to get a brick at herdbricks.com. you got to remember, this is a one-time cost. This is not every year you have to buy a brick and every year you use that to buy your season tickets. This is a one-time purchase that's going to be at the stadium in perpetuity. So if you go to one game a year for the next 40 years and we're playing games at the Jack 40 years from now, you're going to be able to walk over there and say, look, I did that to help contribute to the, the stadium at Marshall University. I did that, right? So I, I think we need to put to bed that this is an additional cost, really, and look at it more of as a, a, a real investment in what you did. You have a physical representation of what you did to propel this stadium into a reality and to make it look damn good, right? Because we want it to be nice looking as well. Uh, is, there, is there anything that you can tell us that uh, we haven't hit because we want to, I know you said you think you're going to sell through all of the reserve seats uh, with the Herd Bricks campaign. Some of these sections you did mention are limited to four tickets. Some are eight. So you have to keep that in mind, right? Um, what big detail are we missing before we really start driving folks over to herdbricks.com to get this process rolling for themselves? Yeah, I think a, another uh, comment or feedback that we got a lot was on the big green donation attached to those seats. Um, I think it's it, it's important to remember that that is a level based thing, and I imagine ninety five percent of the ticket buyers will already be covered um, on their big green donation. So if you already make a donation for football based on your seats there, or basketball based on your seats there, that donation carries over to baseball. And technically, I guess baseball is going to be first in the calendar year, so it's kind of going to be baseball first, and then that will work for football and basketball. Uh, but on those sections, uh, depending on the sections, anywhere from a, you know, a $300 seat or $60 per seat, that is just to your annual fund. And if you already donate, that's going to cover you. Um, so just based on 
the ticket or the brick purchasers that are already in our system that have already purchased a brick. Um, and based on how we kind of fed, um, how we kind of teased the market a little bit to see where we were price point wise, you know, those people are already covered from that. So it's not going to be an added expense. Um, now, if you're not a current Big Green member, um, then that would be an added expense for you to get to that. But I think that, like I said, 95 to 100 percent of the people that we're going to that are going to buy tickets in the first year will already be a Big Green member. Um, so it's not really an added expense there. So once again, like you said, the brick is more of a that's your part in making that stadium come to life. Um, that's kind of leaving your legacy in that stadium because it's going to be there forever. Um, and that's how we accumulate the wait list. Um, and then from there, uh, big green donations are probably almost covered. Maybe there's a little increase depending on where you're going to go and all that kind of stuff. Uh, but the, once again, the big green um, donations and the sections and the seats having those requirements are an industry standard and something we already have in football and basketball and soccer um, across the board. Yeah. And Ryan, you, you said this is a big green requirement. It is the minimum level for the cheapest seats that you have there. 60 bucks on the year, $5 a month. If someone is not, I've, I'm going to assume, if someone is not a big green donor at that $60 level, they can sign up for the monthly. They don't have to pay the 60 bucks up front. Is that correct? That's when correct. They get the yeah. season ticket, they can yeah. sign up for the monthly. It's automatically drafted out of their account. You've done that on other sports, other tickets, when you had to have a requirement, you do not have to pay the 60 bucks up front, five bucks a month. Nope. Whether you're a $60 member or a $10,000 member, you can do it on a monthly basis uh, where it's not all at once. Yeah. Um, you know, pledge it in, pay it off as you go. I also yeah. would like to think, uh, and I know you're going to tell me yes, is I'm not a big, if I'm not a big green member and I want to buy these season tickets, I can call up and sign up and buy the same time. Same day. Right? Yeah. The same and the same transaction. Sign me up for the big green and I want to get my baseball tickets. That's going to be doable, correct? That's correct. See, we're trying to make it easy. The athletic department is trying to make you uh, understand that this is an easy process. There's still, still in 2023, we have fans that go, well, how do I donate or how do I buy tickets? And it, it's, it's easy. Herdzone.com. 800 the herd or walk your butt into the ticket office and they will take care of you there right so get get over to herdbricks.com place your order before halloween october 31st get ready for december 1st when you get that email or that notification of your date and time and be ready to buy tickets when that happens i remember several years ago when they did that with football reseeding i had a time to buy my tickets yep. and if i wasn't there then whoever has a time slot after me could theoretically take the tickets i wanted to buy you don't stop the process while it's my turn it's just my turn at that moment and if i don't do it when i'm scheduled anybody that has their time slot after me could take the seats that i was hoping to buy so you have to be ready to go this is an excellent Christmas gift for the Herd Baseball fan in your family. Or if you are a Herd Baseball fan, this is a great gift to yourself, right? You don't want to miss out on year one. You don't want to miss out on game one at the Jack. Mm. And this is the only way to guarantee that you will have a ticket to the first ever game at Jack Cook Field, Marshall University's home on campus baseball stadium. Ryan, you is there got, any? Is there one game? You only got one in the first game. You got to get the first one. That's, that's right. right. You never have the first game again. You only get one first game. Man, is there anything else that I have to cover, or you have to cover for me before I give you your afternoon back? Yeah, I think you know. Just we'll have twenty-seven home games in year one this year. Um, 
you know, as people probably saw the W game, which is going to be the premier game on our schedule and maybe the premier game in the state of West Virginia this year for baseball, uh, you know, will not be included in that. So it's 26 home games. You as a season ticket holder will get the first right of refusal on your seats for West Virginia um, at a small additional cost based on the single game pricing for that game. Uh, you will have the right to your ticket. So if you just look at the 26 home games and you take our pricing for the ticket and you break it down per game, you know, it's less than $20 a game rate behind home plate and it's less than, you know, $8 per game right above the dugouts. So the yeah. cost per game is there. Um, you know, single game pricing will be set based on the fire marshal's capacity and where we end up season ticket wise and all that kind of stuff. Uh, but you're not going to get into the game for less than $10. Probably I'd say $10 will probably be our, our standing room price point for baseball this year. Um, and so the, the pricing model is if that's how we came up with it. That's what we based it off of is, you know, 27 home games, 26, if you take out West Virginia. So at 26 games, you know, anywhere from 20 to $7 per seat is what you're looking at per game. Well, that, that corrects something that I said on yesterday's show, cause I thought it was 27 plus one, not 26 plus one. So that's the only mistake we'll ever make on this show. <laughs> it's, it's, uh, it's all about getting the right information out there. That's exactly why Ryan's sitting here and talking to us right now, because we too are imperfect. Shocker, but we are. Uh, look, man, we can't let you go without talking about this huge football game coming up on Thursday night and how impactful our fans can be at those games and how this is a huge showcase moment for our university, our city, and our students and student-athletes. So give me a couple of minutes on what this means for our athletic department and our university and our city, and then I'll get you the heck out of here. Yeah, you know, take the take the financial side of it out of it. Uh, you know, we have a promo code out there right now, ESPN for twenty dollars tickets. Uh, but if you take the financials out of it, if you just look at the game as a whole, or we'll be on ESPN, the main, the worldwide leader in sports. I mean, that's literally what they call themselves at seven o'clock on a Thursday night. Uh, if you look at the ratings from the other games in this time slot, super high. It's really our chance to kind of showcase Marshall on a national stage. Um, you know, I grew up in Columbus, Ohio, just outside of Columbus, Ohio, had zero connection to Marshall University. And maybe this is in a bad way, but I found out about Marshall through the Houston player breaking its leg on national television in the end zone. You know, it was the ESPN platform. I was there. Yeah, where I found Marshall. You know what I mean? And so it's not only just from an athletic standpoint or from a football standpoint, uh, but just as a whole, it's a chance to showcase our university, our athletic department to people literally around the world that may not know about Marshall or exposed to Marshall, or maybe they're on the fence about, oh, do I want to go to Marshall University or do I want to go to X University? And then they see our university on display and they're like, I'm going to Marshall. That looks mm -hmm. awesome. Yeah. Um, and so it's just, it's bigger than the finances. It's bigger than buying a ticket, you know, come out and support. Um, it's bigger than the football win and loss thing. It's, it's, it's big picture. It's about showing Huntington, West Virginia, Marshall University, the Marshall Athletic Department, Marshall football team, putting that on display and really showing the world uh, what we're about. Love it. Well said. You never know who's watching. You never know what potential student is going to be sold by a packed student section. You never know what student is going to be sold by seeing that game day experience, which donors love is going to be rekindled by just seeing what they remember from those late nineties Marshall games on ESPN, you know, yeah. And we got, your, if you look at JMU, if you look at App State, if you look at some of our rivals, I mean, that bar is set high. You mm -hmm. know, App State played on a Tuesday and they had that thing sold out. 
you know, yeah. they were the max capacity. And so that bar is high. We have some work to do. A lot of it is on us as an athletic department, just to be better as, as a process, as a whole, as an experience. Um, and we know that, and we're going to work through and fix what we can and do what we can to get it uh, just close to perfect as possible. Uh, but we ask that you support us in our time where we're working on making that perfect. And um, the, the bar is set high from our rivals and we got to find a way to step it up. Yep. I agree. Russ, it, it, let's, let's take it out of here, man. Let's give Ryan back his afternoon. Yeah, so whether you see us at the Jack, whether you see us badgering Ryan Crisp at the uh, <laughs> ticket office over at City National Bank on the third floor, or whether you see us at Jones C. Edwards Stadium this Thursday at 7 p.m., no matter where you see us, we're going to be saying, go Herd. Go Herd. It's a Thundercast. We'll see your asses on Thursday night. Later. <laughs>